Hey guys, this week we were made aware of fellow YouTuber Twitch streamer IcyCat25 who committed suicide. He had a loving family and was a pillar of the Rainbow Six Siege community. We say this hoping that anyone listening knows that they are not alone and will remember that there will always be people willing to listen given the opportunity. Please, if you or someone you know is struggling, reach out to those around you or call the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. ICCAT25 will be greatly missed. What's good, Internet? And welcome to Session 71 of Super GG Radio, where friends chat about video games and all things adjacent. I am your host and Steam Sale Advocate, Alex Arona. Gotta love me some Steam Sales. With me, fresh from his micro-break, Eric Getty Gettinger. Hey, Getty, what have you bought so far? I actually bought you guys a whole bunch of age games to be delivered throughout the course of the year. Seriously? Yeah. You'll have to wait and see which ones you got. Not entirely thrilled by that, but I still haven't played the ones you gave me originally. Ooh, gotta crack into those. I'm not... We're not gonna bring it on this podcast, but, mm. again, that'll be for another week. Steve! Steve's here! What's good, Stevesy? Any Steam games on your list? Why are games a chore now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the welcome. wonderful world. Yeah, welcome to our podcast. Ugh. Everything's a chore. Except basically going to the office, which is now my respite from gaming. That's sad. You're like, man, I'd rather go to work than game. I just need a break. Yeah, well, you will have one soon, a very long one. Yeah, true. But this week, we get all psychedelic and early adopters, Joy-Con drift through the news, then enjoy a cup of coffee with our friends. First, early adopters. Where we talk alphas, betas, and games me and Steve stumbled onto on accident, and then had to drag everybody else into it. When you say everybody else, you just mean me, because Joel isn't going to get the pleasure of uh, chatting nope. this one up. He's not out of this. Because this what do you is mean a, he's not out of it? This is my contender for beta test of the year. So This he, is game of the year material. So he's going to get this game. He's going to play this beta. He's going to hang out, and he's going to love it, just because I made him. All right. You can't make people hang out, Alex. I know. <laughs> First game is Gory, Cuddly, Cuddly Carnage. Now, did, did we check to make sure that's the actual name of the game? I believe I did, yes. <laughs> okay, good. The Yeah, you hear Frank calls you Gory. Yes. Yes, Frank calls you Frank is your hoverboard. Oh, right, so Yeah. I was just going through random betas. Me and Steve were hanging out on the couch, just looking through a couple of them. And this is after we recorded last episode. I was just like, man, I wonder what's kind of wacky out there. And I threw on Gory Cuddly Carnage. You are a cat who speaks in meows, normal, 3D, very detailed on the fur. Oh, yeah. It, it is very, like, highly graphic, very high on the graphic fidelity. And he's got a vest on, some cool goggles, and he hangs out with a hoverboard that looks like the Back to the Future hoverboard that talks to him. Yeah, I was going to say that he looks like he's Marty McFly. I thought so, too. I thought yeah, so, too. I'm glad. <laughs> and you hoverboard around planet Earth, which has been, seems like, taken over by evil toys. And you hoverboard, you grind rails, and then you use the hoverboard as a weapon to fight these killer monsters. 
and everything is super duper neon colored, techno, and then also vulgar. Well, you're missing the best part of the story here. Yeah. So Gory is this cat that's on the spaceship with the AI. His name is Chip, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think and it's Chip. Uh, what's the what's the hoverboard's name? Kevin. Frank. 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 Sorry. I literally just played this for a couple of minutes before we started, so I'm not going to be able to to articulate it very well. At least, well, maybe we'll see. So uh, you're cruising through space, and they're they're talking you up, and then Chip gets attacked, and uh, he's uh, he's going down. So you have to escape. Well, Gory just decides to take it upon himself to escape to Earth, and it's just it's carnage, cuddly carnage. I feel like I kind of lost track of why Chip needed to be downloaded, but he's, like, on an N64 cartridge. Nice. And uh, to amend Alex's description, you're not really... You're kind of killing monsters, but they're toys. It's like the Earth has been taken over by a toy company. I think it was Cool Toys TM. Yeah, it's Cool Toys. I like that. It reminded me... What was the company... It reminded me of a specific toy company. Was it Toy Biz? That makes sense. Yeah, Toy Biz. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like the Earth is taken over by Cool Toys TM, Mm -hmm. um, which presumably also makes Frank, uh, because you do go to the toy store and get him an upgrade. I wonder how quick that becomes a twist, a plot twist, where he is evil. Where I don't Frank know is that he's evil. evil. I I really appreciate the fact that he has like a sensor on him because he's the most vulgar character. Being yeah, a gory I I appreciate that this game is Tony Hawk meets Doom uh, with a swearing hoverboard. Yeah, because as soon as the combat encounters uh, start, like they they start the process of like closing everything off, kill all the enemies. That Doom metal starts kicking in. It's like chugga chugga dun dun dun. Yeah, they definitely pulled from the Doom soundtrack. And yeah, it's vulgar and violent, but you also get to grind the rainbow rails. And you got to get, what's it called? Awesome juice? You got to get yes. the awesome juice. Yeah. To, to power up. up your attacks. Yep. So you get like different attacks with Frank. Um, and at least in the beta, well, there's really only two types of enemies the slicey corns and the shooty corns. Which are just unicorns with little guns coming out of their hands, or unicorns who their hands turned into very graphic, like, bloody blades. I liked how the guns were, like, ice cream shooters. Yeah, yeah. slime guns. And then you fight a boss that is a teddy bear inside a jack-in-the-box, but with spider, like, arms and legs. Uh, Do spiders have arms, or are they just legs? Uh, I believe that they're legs. They have it's legs got spider and spider legs and like claw arms. It's got arms and legs. And that spider, that teddy bear spider boss calls you a little bitch. Which calls you a lot of things. Yeah, he does. That's not I nice. I like the premise of this game. I like how it's set up. I like that Gory is basically the only thing that doesn't talk. Um, it's just. This is like a shockingly well composed beta. This is this is like solidly made. The gameplay really um, reminded me of Tony Hawk a little bit. I mean, it just like a little smidge. But I don't know. How do you describe feel? This game has like a feel to it with the controller in your hands. It's fun. 
uh, it's weird and and it just feels good to like combo the shooty corns, etc. Steve, I was thinking that it's definitely your platformer, but for them to really use the the skateboard, the hoverboard, whatever you want to call it, as your vessel to get you around, that that's the feel of it. It's yeah, exactly. real, real solid to be able to make the jumps from one grind to another and then do like your spin move and land on a whole bunch of unicorns. It's just uh, that senseless violence, but it's also really cute <laughs> at times. Exactly, and it also combines the like... It just reminds me of when we played Tony Hawk on N64 and you had you were grinding and doing tricks... Except, like, the point of doing the tricks in this one is to unleash your attacks on the unicorns. You do get a score, though, based on how you dispose of your enemies. And Yes, you do get a many... score. I forgot about that's, that. It's really interesting to me. I don't know how that's going to play into it. I was hoping that uh, the way I had just gotten to the store and upgraded the hoverboard um, when I was playing, but... I don't suppose that the points will come into play at some point where you can, I don't know, get cosmetics or upgrade some of the other, maybe, features? It's going to be meaningful in some way, because if you beat the demo, at the end of the level you get stars. You know, it does the, like, uh, overcooked thing. Huh. Okay. I'll have to go back and finish it off then to see what I'm able to do. So... Presumably, like, the levels are going to be, like, those packets where you can, like, you beat it and say you get one star. You could just, like, play it again, try to get more. Plus, there's a combo system where you can, how many can you kill without getting hit? You're using your special abilities efficiently. How many you can kill in one special ability, you know what I mean? What about that slow-mo feature? Yeah. Oh, the slow-mo feature is great. They give you a slow-mo button, which I don't think has... In a, like it doesn't have an amount you can use it just for as long as you want slow mo the in bullet time the entire game, and the graphics again are very well done. The, again, you can count the hairs on Gory's head, but slow mo when you're smashing through a bunch of murder corns, it's really, really satisfying. Yeah, that's what I mean, man. I I was surprised at how polished this seems. I feel like there's a ton of potential in this idea. You know. Um, I could see this. Yeah, I guess like maybe if it were slightly less vulgar, I could see it being like a major console release. I think but it it's might just still, like I don't know if it'll be a disc release, but I can definitely see it coming out on console. Yeah, well, and I mean, you know how it is. It depends on how well this. Does. I was just surprised that this is. Uh, it feels like a game that would come out from a bigger studio. And I don't just mean by the content, but also, like Alex was talking about, the graphics were looking pretty good. And as I said before, the gameplay was pretty great. So it felt really, uh, really polished, really tight. Um, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what comes out from this. There are... there. This has been a good year for some of the beta tests we found because there have been at least two or three now that... I looked at that and said, when is that coming out? Because I am buying it. Kill and it with fire. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't know about kill it with fire as much. Oh, I'm definitely I mean, getting that. Yeah, this has been a real solid year so far. Yeah, and with, and with Gory, that, this, and it came out of nowhere, too, because 
it was a long list of kind of betas that I was just picking from picking and choosing randomly. I think we played like five that night, and we just kept going. Man, Gory was a really good game. <laughs> so I think I, I think Gory has a lot of potential. It, it does come off like a Ratchet and Clank or a Banjo Kazooie, but vulgar. So make it Conquers. Yeah, make it a Conquers. Uh, side note, Getty, I did. I am gonna. Procure us a copy of Conquer's Bad Fur Day for instance. A physical copy, so we'll have to hang out. Yep. Oh, I see what you did there. Yep. I, I'm definitely going to do it. I really want to try that game, but I don't know how psyched I am to go back to the N64 controller. Uh, it's not great. It's yeah, not I know. Great, gotta tell you. <laughs> I'm not. Get one of those like icy gel packs and a carpal tunnel glove. Ugh. Mm. Good advice. Mm, no. <laughs> okay. That was Gory Cuddly Carnage. Next, you guys played the Borderlands 3 DLC Love Guns and Tentacles. Okay. Rewind to the beginning of this lockdown. Yes. Love Guns and Tentacles <laughs> came out. It's a Cthulhu themed Borderlands 3 expansion. It was pretty highly hyped. It features the two, I think, best characters from Borderlands 3, Sir Hammerlock and Wainwright Jacobs. I would argue they're like, that... Uh, yeah, they're, they're part of at least the main campaign to me was the, was the more endearing. And Hammerlock in the second game, that's where he really picked up some steam, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was funny in the second game, but they re- they made him more of a centerpiece of the story in this. Right. Um, and of course, with Wainwright, the owner of the Jacobs Corporation, and uh, what well, they're getting married. Yeah. So they decide that they're going to travel to this quaint little—I don't want to call it a bed and breakfast, but it's like a bed and breakfast. Yeah, but very but spooky, Lovecraftian, <laughs> from everything you can imagine. So you, the whole planet has just like giant writhing tentacles that are off in the distance. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so I don't know... It's because that, at the center of the planet is supposed to be a dead vault guardian. Uh, I think that's why. Mm, okay. There's lore behind Borderlands? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but okay, so uh, then, you see the return of Gage the Necromancer yes. from Borderlands 2, which is a, a popular vault hunter to play. That was my main. Was Now, is this is have they hit every single person to return? No. Oh, no. Okay. No, there's there's quite a few that have not. Have the si- has the mind, cyborg were... ninja come back? Yes. Uh, yes. He okay. was in the main story. Right. Okay. Zero. And then in the in the first uh, in the first one, the uh, heist Moxie's heist of the handsome jackpot. I don't. Did they bring anyone back? Why can't I remember? They didn't bring anybody back. They didn't bring anyone back. But so they didn't bring someone back in that one. Steve and so I. This is really actually excited. the first time they're yeah. they're bringing back an old one. Yeah, because Gage was a fantastic character. She was one of the DLC characters. She didn't even get released with the regular story. She came afterwards, but still, or was. Did they hand her out for free if you pre-ordered it? Am I thinking that that was the case? And anyway, uh, she's the wedding planner. Um, nice. And uh, the whole the whole ceremony does not go as planned uh, even before it starts. So oh, 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 the, the driving factor, yeah, yeah, the driving factor behind it is that it's uh, 
the planet is like haunted by a cult. Wainwright, and, uh, yeah, he's the one who gets uh, possessed. Yeah, he kind of gets possessed by a special death cult that has been existing on the planet for thousands, of, probably dozens of years. Probably not thousands. It seems probably like five or six years. Yeah. All right, so this DLC, uh, Gearbox does the, like, pull some some magic out of nowhere with the story, like they have done with the DLCs for Borderlands in the past. Um, Because, of course, the underlying theme is Hammerlock and Wainwright kind of having cold feet about getting married. Mm -hmm. You go through this narrative kind of hearing them wondering aloud kind of about whether the love between them is real basically like does this person really love me do i really love them or is this the right thing um so it's it has a heart to it i guess i'm trying to say And, and they've done that in the past like with uh tiny tina's dlc in borderlands 2 um a lot of people focus on that one, uh, but they, they always they seem to do just a good job in this regard with their DLCs. It oh the the narrative really brings more people in. Okay, and and is it, did it come with new bosses and a new raid, new gear? Obviously, yeah, no new raid, okay. um, but of course a complement of new bosses. Yep, uh, and yeah, just you're showering gear on you. Uh, you know, they've done a good job of Borderlands Three with consistently giving free events, free updates. Um, that goes along with this stuff. So even if you don't buy the DLC, they upgrade the difficulty system. They they keep making tweaks and quality of life changes. So there was a lot of stuff that came with it, but um, I mean, the best part of this DLC was. The character stuff, you know, the jokes are a little bit funnier. Gage kind of plays the role that Tiny Tina had in Borderlands 2. So you don't really get Tina as much in this one. Um, But Gage is the, like, psychotic teenage murderer. Yeah. Uh, You know, kind of... And she has a quirky attitude. Um, And her murder bot as well. And her murder bot. Yeah, always talking about how they're BFFs. And they'll be together forever, along with the theme of marriage. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. And what I liked, so they've added collectibles, or, I mean, they had collectibles in the old ones, kind of, but um, in each DLC, there's like a collectible or a findable, right? Uh, and in this one, it's wedding presents, because uh, Gage's ship with the presents all crashes. So you have to find them throughout the world. And when you find one, the who the person who voice acts gauge does gauge impersonating the character who sent the gift <laughs> and it's like surprisingly funny hmm okay i could see that being like a funny like bit to like it's kind of like you know obviously these they're characters that you know right like probably like moxie sent a gift or something like that yeah yeah there's marcus there's uh maybe mr torg uh, i don't remember them all off the top of my head but it's but you at know, this point, there's like a cast of characters that you love, right? And they had this. Yeah, exactly. And you know, a lot of the bits in Borderlands Three fell kind of flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that like doing 
these jokey bits is kind of their thing, and so this is a little bit more of the quality of their past work. I don't know. There were a couple of funny things in uh, Borderlands 3, at least from my perspective. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There were some funny stuff. I just, um, I felt like the humor was a little bit sharper in this DLC than in the main one. I think that they do that very often. They try and use this as like uh, an opportunity to be more creative or to try things that they weren't able to with the base game. And it, Yeah, I like that they do that. You know, like this Cthulhu yeah. idea. It's It seems kind of random at the surface, but when you start playing it, uh, it really pulls you in. But yeah. it also tells you that they have to try to play it safe during a main campaign story and then can get weird in the DLC itself. Yeah, but like if you had gone back and played all of the bonus DLC for Borderlands 2, they started throwing them out for every holiday, and they were story events. It was crazy, like... Uh, they had St. Patrick's Day, they had Valentine's Day, Christmas, Halloween, and uh, I thought that, don't get me wrong, Steve, I loved getting uh, pummeled by ghosts for four months last year, but <laughs> the Borderlands 2 Halloween uh, fighting against like the pumpkin guy was a lot better than... Oh man, he was so hard to... Mm-hmm. Pumpkin patch guy? Yeah, and him, the snowman boss. Yeah, oh, yeah. God. Well... You had to like save all the gifts from Snowman. Yeah, yeah. God, that had Lots, a lot gotta of fun get a lot stuff. Of so, about this DLC, they really kind of um, they kind of crushed it. I mean, I thought that it looked fantastic, uh, but even more than that, the soundtrack, like the music that they added to the DLC, wonderful. Um, the story. The boss fights, the new items they added, the the content of the narrative, all around, this was like some A-plus DLC stuff. Very worth it. If you're somebody who plays Borderlands 3, I think that you now you can get the Super Deluxe Edition for 60 bucks. So it's like buying the game and getting all the DLCs for free. Um, super worth it. Yeah. I agree. I still need to make it around to finishing this one and then hitting up the next one. You'll be glad you did, because let me tell you, uh, the new one that came out is just as good so far. Um, They are keeping up with dropping really quality um, post-main game content. Do they add any more characters in the newest one, Steve? Uh, They did... But I can't confirm because I haven't gotten quite that far. Uh, you mean new characters, as in like characters in new the story? New old characters. New old, new old characters. Yeah, but no new characters to play as because they're not oh, going to do that. No, <laughs> not to play as. Yeah, you know that grinds my gears. Like they shouldn't. They need to make some more Vault Hunters. That's what everyone wants. That's what Steve wants, at least. That's what Steve, Steve wants. Should send a letter. Give to... Steve a give Steve a treat. Yeah, give Steve what he wants. Do you know what I want, Steve? Uh, to take a break? To take a break. Let's be our back. Hey, news. 
I just learned this week what it means to make it clap. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. I, yeah. I, I got to tell you guys, I don't think I know what it actually means to make it clap. What did you just make me say? <laughs> Steve, we'll take a break. Uh, during the next break, I will, I'll send you some videos. It's not as bad as when I don't got Joel to say... Don't send me any videos. Only fans, so... <laughs> Nelly's no tip drill. videos. Nelly's tip drill. I'll send it. Okay, first piece of news... Crisis. You guys remember Crisis? You guys ever play Crisis? No. Nope. Because it would melt my computer. <laughs> Steve, there's a running joke. Wait, that are we talking cr- about Time Crisis? No. Nope. No. Uh, Steve, do you know why it's called Far Cry and also why they call it Crisis? Nope. Because they created their own engine called the Cry Engine. That's okay. not a joke. And? So Far Cry and uh, Crisis were part of the same company, and they ran the, the Cry engine. One of the running jokes was that Crisis was so advanced in graphical quality that it needed supercomputers that no longer that, that did not like weren't invented yet. Okay, so you were about to say supercomputers that no longer exist, and they don't. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't exist yet. And it was always a running joke that people would say, like, oh, can I run Crisis at full, you know, graphics? And people were like, nope, not yet. Don't try it. So that was an Ubisoft product? No, they were uh, called Crytek. Didn't they make Far Cry? They were called Crytek originally. Uh, oh. Then the IP got sold to Ubisoft? Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Because Crytek, so Crytek actually went under, and they were having what, a lot of what's problems. It, what's the news in this, Alex? Crisis, the first one, is getting remastered. Uh, but then people saw the trailer for it and said it looked like trash, so they delayed it indefinitely. Well, I mean, when you claim that your graphics engine is so good that it can only be run with future technology, if it doesn't look that good when it finally comes out, kind of makes you appear foolish well they, it came out and then they were going to remaster it and re-release it and everyone said no that's that's that looks bad so yeah but that's a the, we call that grand opening grand closing along with that amazon released their shooter uh it was called crucible and then it had such horrible reviews backlash and nobody played it that they unreleased it and put it into closed beta i never even heard of this that's how There's good a of a job they did why are people <laughs> seem to just like they're just throwing games out and Same it's, six. it's making the internet very angry the internet is like a big thing of hornets right now and Steve when is the internet ever can't seem to help angry. themselves but throw stones at it yeah because it's easy to critique stuff and get angry true I'm always angry Steve I'm I know. A, I'm like a I've Pokemon asked you to go to. Here. I've asked you to go to group therapy, but you just get you just get mad and yell at me. Yep, he's always mad and I'm always sad. You and the doctor just want to gang up on me. I. That's well, why you I need just Joel to I'm come sad. back and just. <laughs> Joel closes the circle between mad and sad. Yeah. With indifference. Yeah. <laughs> Dear God, we need Joel again. <laughs> that and whenever we have Joel here, it's easier to. Just poke him a little, and then we both tear into you, Alex. I know. <laughs> well, he'll be back from vacation soon. Will he? We love you, Joel. Please come back. Sending our love. <laughs> Please forgive us. Don't. For Please forgive us, Joel. Never forgive I'm me. so sorry. <laughs> this is okay. it's the worst news segment ever. <laughs> this is the worst news segment possibly ever conceived. 
Really? What's Maybe next? we should apologize like the Nintendo president apologized for Joy-Con Drift. Segway. <laughs> Got there. All right, is Joy-Con Drift a euphemism or something? No. no because uh, You want to take this one, Alex? I had Joy-Con Drift in three out of four. So, Steve, your sticks will be in a normal position without touching them, but you'll see the cursor moving along the screen. Yep. Yeah, I've had that with, like, every game console ever. The sticks just, like, get broken if you mash them a lot. Well, well Switch is a problem that you, they were... You know, it's like almost like the, when the Red Ring of Death happened, this was the Nintendo version. People could send in their Joy-Cons and they would fix them. So why is he apologizing? He, he's fixing all their stuff. Because yeah, but he, he probably bad that it happened. signed off and knew that there was a chance that it could happen, but they wanted to push it to market. Oh, because you know well, the Wii U was so fantastic. Well, at least they're doing the right thing and fixing it. Well, not if it still happens. I, I mean, and also, yeah, having them fix it took roughly four to five weeks. You know how no, long I mean, he wasn't able to play Breath of the Wild for zero minutes because I know that he has like two backup sets of Joy Cons. Wait. If I remember correctly, Alex, didn't you buy replacement Joy-Cons when you shipped yours in and you got, like, Mario Party for free? No, 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 no. I Listen uh, to Alex. This is just raining free stuff on right. No, there was um, there was a, a trade-in, like, coupon thing for, and I got Mario Party, and Mario Party came with uh, two Joy-Cons. Two Joy-Cons, okay, that's what like, it was. It, it, but it's not like, but it's not a, oh, that's like a bonus. Actually, it's included in the box. <laughs> because um, the, the the fault is that Mario Party you can only play with a single Joy-Con, and they want you to have four players. You need them. It's a responsibility. Well, they, 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 you can't use Pro controllers. Really? That's like yeah, that's what I'm saying is that you literally can't use Pro controllers because of the way the mini games are. If you remember, there's um, there's Smart. Rumble, where you like, you know, one of the mini games that they had where like they put a bunch of balls in a box, like virtual balls in a box, and you have to roll it around by moving the Joy Con and count how many balls are in the box. You're supposed to be able to do that because the Rumble is so advanced. That's kind of what they did with Mario Party with those games needing you to have Smart Rumble and only one Joy Con to play the game per person. All right. So that's why I don't play Mario Party. I don't party with Mario yeah. Party. Ain't no party like a Mario Party. Okay, uh, next piece of news, and we actually have breaking news. Nah, so dude, cut it. Breaking news? We're not yes, a legitimate uh, news outlet, so... Yep. Uh, Yoko cut Taro, uh, he, you know, the, the, the mind behind Nier Automata, his newest game is a mobile game called Sino Alice. Uh, that's all I know. I've seen ads for it. Okay. It's a gachapon game. That's, that's a pathetic piece of news. Why? You just repeated what you saw an ad for. Well, it's more Yoko Taro, who's, who's kind of a cool guy. It's news for us, Steve. Mm-hmm. Play Nier Automata, Steve, then talk to me. Yeah. No. And I have your copy. I'm just going to keep it and not play it. Oh. Okay, that's fine. Oh, remind me, I have, a, I have a gift for you before you leave. Okay. <laughs> a gift or a gif? Both. A uh, gift. With a T. Okay. Uh, and, okay, breaking news, Evo Online. You remember Evo Online, Getty? How they were going to have Evo, but only online? You're talking about the fighting tournament? Yes, sir. Okay, and not... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember this. Cancelled. No. They figured out that nobody's internet connection is going to be stable enough? 
No, CEO uh, of Evo Online, Tony Cannon, uh, has allegations against him that are unfavorable, and Evo Online has been canceled. Damn, yeah, that would do it. Well, everyone's a giant flaming trash bag. Except for us. Except for us, Steve. Except for us. (laughs) Yeah. Despite your pornographic imaginations. What? Who's mine? (laughs) (laughs) I don't. Everyone just like assumes it's them. Like, wait, what? Me? (laughs) I don't have an imagination, and that's why my Steam gifts this year are going to be very graphic. Like a comic book? No, I'm not into the whole visual novel thing. Oh. Okay, Steve. I'm going to have you check your text messages for this Nelly music video. I'm not. Don't send me anything. (laughs) We'll be right back, guys. We'll be right back. And we're back. Back with the backlog blog, where we play games, where we started playing them together, but then pandemic happened. Oh, wait. You're tra- okay, I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, it took me a second. I was like, hmm, did that happen? Oh, okay. Yeah, it did. All right, well, you know, you brought that here, so tell me, you and Steve, Getty, played Resident Evil 3, and you finished it. We did. Uh, we like, did. You know, I don't know how you did that, because uh, you are scared babies, like me. Uh, uh excuse teamwork me. Teamwork makes the dream work, sir. I'm the moral support for the scary games. Mm. I'm the moral Steve support. Steve talks me off the ledge and I use my superior video gamery to kill everything. Exactly. So, Getty's I've the Mary been Kish. A horror video game companion for a long time, Alex, and I don't appreciate <laughs> your slights and insults. Again, Getty is the Mary is the Mary Kish. True. I, to I Steve, guess. Steve being Mike Mahardy. Okay. Well, tell me about Resident Evil 3. Take it away, what, Eric. What do you want to know? I like it better when you just ask me questions about it. Because I feel like... Eric, the, how does this version of Resident Evil 3 compare to the original? Funny you should ask. I barely played the original back in the day. Mm-hmm. So uh, my uh, my experience with it is that uh, I played more of this one. So I probably like it better. That's a hot take. It is a hot take. Now, did you like Jill as a protagonist? I did. I don't think that it was terribly... When it comes to horror games, you either get like the unnecessarily long backstory, or you get this poor, helpless person that gets dropped into anarchy, and they just kind of have to find their way. And that's what you get out of Jill in this one. There's only a little bit of backstory, but you know that she's uh, part of the Raccoon City Police Department. Uh, you know that she's part of Stars. Uh, no, she's not. Oh, she's not a star. She's right? Stars. She's Stars. Which is yeah. a part of the Raccoon City Police Department. It is not. They're it's like a government SWAT. agency, isn't it? Though I thought they're they were like SWAT, agency, isn't it? No, I think th- I think it's their. I think they're Raccoon City. I'm going to agree with Eric. We've come to a consensus. No, I feel is like that that's. This, I think that actually has to be checked. I'm looking it up now. Continue. All right, so you Google can continue. Uh, so, Eric, yeah, uh, what did you think about the gameplay on this? Gameplay was pretty solid. Uh, 
you know that we had a, a little bit of a learning curve when we came back to it because I couldn't remember how to do the. Uh, that's right. We had Carlos when we came back. So mm-hmm. about a little bit over halfway through the game, uh, you get switched between Jill and Carlos uh, because Jill has been partially infected with the the nemesis virus. Yeah, we'll call it the nemesis virus. Yeah, it's it's. If we're anywhere in the ballpark of Resident Evil, just assume it's a virus. Yeah. Until you get to some of the later games, but but that's by the way, uh, it is confirmed that Stars is an elite special forces division, but it's under the jurisdiction of the Raccoon Police Department. So yeah, we knew that already. Okay. That's why we said it. Though privately funded and able to operate independently, but part of the Raccoon City Police Department. You son of a bitch. <laughs> so so anyway, Carlos. Yeah, no, I was has get back feathered to, hair. <laughs> I was going to get back to the previous point, Steve. Uh, so how do I feel about the gameplay? The After you get the controls down, uh, it's pretty uh, pretty fluid with a couple of nitpicky things. There were times when I would try and do like the immediate turnaround and dash, and then I'd just end up uh, not being able to, or it would place a zombie right in front of me, which is kind of the appeal to the game. But... During the first half of the game, the graphics weren't as good as what we saw with RE2. I feel like this one was definitely rushed. Okay. I, I feel you. I guess... You saw some of the I jank, think the graphics right? overall are nice. Yeah, they were pretty good. Um, this remake sort of retains the clunky controls of the original, like it or yeah. not. Um, they were... It was like if you after we hadn't played it for a while... There was a learning curve. Um, I I do like of the Resident Evil series that you get this like bite sized uh, horror game. You know, you can beat it in what like six or seven hours. I mean, you can do it with taking your time. Really, you could do it in like two. Any but. of them, but the way that we played it, yeah, we we've always been more methodical and try and explore the environment to pick up some of the collectibles just to see what we're able to accomplish without. You know, trying to cheating push it. Yeah, and one of the things that you used to do in the original um, was when the nemesis would show up, it would give you a choice. So, like, hey, do you want to hide in the room or jump out the window? That's the only example I remember. But they took that out. Um, so, I don't know. Was that a good idea or not? I'm not sure. I had more fun when we played the Resident Evil 2 remake mm-hmm. than this one, personally. I agree, Steve. I their, just, their reasoning behind taking out the multi multiple choice options was because they wanted people to experience the full story without having them miss the whole thing. And I know a lot of people like the well, replayability of getting something different, but they said, no, we'd rather have it just be a straight-through-forward experience. That's fair enough, but... It just felt like this one was lacking something. You know, it just... It needed some spice. You know, it it just felt a little bit more flat. Like I said, uh, I really enjoyed the Resident Evil 2 remake. When Eric and I played that, that was a lot of fun. I liked it all around. For whatever reason, this one just didn't grab me quite the same way. It's a fine game. It's nice and polished. Um, Steve, when you think back to when we played the second one to... 
to playing three. Do you remember the boss fights? Um, the boss fights from Resident, Evil, Resident 2. Evil Two Remake. Yeah, because we just finished three here. So, do you remember? I don't really remember the boss fights that much from two. I just remember what's his name, Mister X, yeah. um, who was basically like kind of like nemesis like he just kept coming after you and you couldn't kill him but still i felt more threatened during so many parts of that game than playing this one yeah i mean the excitement was there i i felt like we were like "Ooh, i might die there was franticness we were shooting yeah the bosses you they just felt more substantial the times that we played i guess once we started going like we barely died like, I had very, very, almost not at all felt like I was threatened. Even when we were running away from Nemesis, I I think that maybe he got us once, and it was because the game, like, glitched or bugged, and we ended up having him blocking the alleyway and no way for him to move. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this one was a little bit more like, oh, all right, I got killed by this thing. Let's just do it again. It it didn't feel as exciting. And again, maybe it's just part of the premise because they kind of make a running joke of it with the trophies of like, <laughs> did you kill Nemesis? Question mark. Nemesis killed again? Question mark exclamation. You killed him a third time? Exclamation question mark exclamation exclamation. Like, uh, yeah, we get it. He keeps coming back. <laughs> it's kind of fucking annoying. <laughs> it really is. And those, yeah, I, I agree with you. I guess Eric, it's just like the boss fights. They, I guess, I don't know. They were similar to each other because it was always Nemesis. Where the other game threw some variety at you. Kind of like what I said before. There was just there's something missing from this remake. I, I'm not. Uh, I don't object to them changing things. I, I, you know, I don't need everything always to be the same. But in the process of doing that, I feel like they needed to just, you know, grind a little pepper on this one. Yeah, yeah. But you, the the amount of time between Resident Evil Two and then Resident Evil Three remake coming out was really short. Yeah, I yeah, but I I don't care. Sure, it it's just not as interesting. It's a cash grab, Steve. You gotta put out yeah. games like this so that you can actually afford to put out games like RE8. True. RE8 Idge. <laughs> Age. Sorry. Did you it's, just say Raidage? What does no, that mean? Here it's, we go. It's it's village, but the, the <laughs> No, I get it. Yeah. I got I got it. I got it. Ugh. Next. Bug snacks. Think about that. Okay. <laughs> Steve. I finally did it. You told me about it. It was on my list. It was waiting there. I had time. Let's talk. Coffee talk. Ooh. I'm excited for this. Sounds intimate. All right. Tell me, what is the coffee talk? It is a visual novel, if you will. Uh, It's a kind of game where there's a narrative, and it just kind of plays out in front of you. uh, And your action on the narrative is somewhat limited. Now, unlike uh, Sim, for example, another one that I love, Dream Daddy, where there's a decision-based path, um, in this game, you it, it's a little bit more, mm, I, I want to say puzzly, in that 
So you are the barista at this coffee shop that's only open late at night. Um, it's always raining because I think it's a joke about Seattle. Yep, and Seattle. you have recipes of drinks that you can make. But there's also undiscovered recipes. And sometimes the patrons will ask you for something that you don't know how to make up front. And you can try to figure it out. You can even Google the drink in real life and see what it's made of and see if you can figure it out. But you only get like a certain number of chances. Um, the twist of the story is every patron is a mythical creature or monster of some kind. But they're all interacting in sort of a normal or I should say normative uh, life kind of way. So there's a pixie who's kind of your regular, your friend, um, and she's a writer, you know, typical writer hanging out at a coffee shop. Can I, hold on, um, hold on. I just want to throw this out there, Steve. Yeah. It's Seattle. It's a. This is like a game devs kind of game, meaning it's super duper wanting to be artsy and also super duper hipstery. So yeah, while he's kind of saying the patrons are the mythical creatures, they're essentially ultra mega hipsters going to no name coffee coffee bar late at night to kind of be cool. Where there's like one guy who is a a freelance artist, one person is a game developer, one person's a coder, one person's a novelist, and you just get like, okay, these people would I don't know if you'd be able to afford living in Seattle at the prices it is. Yeah, but the coder is an orc. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. the game dev is a mermaid, I think. Yep, so there's a, a model person. who's a vampire, and the werewolf is a doctor. No, he's a hospital admin. Really? Yeah, huh. and he. And the funny part was for me, I was like, oh, this is like the only one that doesn't have like a hipster style job. Yeah, but he's wearing scrubs. Yeah, but he all he does is hospital administration. So what do you think he I wears on that. the weekends? Mm-hmm. Uh, slacks and a golf shirt. Yeah. I mean, maybe he just wears scrubs. They're kind of comfortable. Yeah. Well, and also on the weekends, slacks and a golf shirt. I don't. I don't get it. it business casual. Uh, oh, okay. Biz cash. Biz cash. No, as we call it, it in the industry. But yeah, it's it. It's a very. I picked this up because I was trying to get something that's deliberately chill. It has that like super chill lo-fi hip-hop beats. Super music. Chill. Um and it's very relaxing. Would you describe the tunes as crunchy? Yes. Nice. Oh, they're real crunchy. It really bothered me. All right, I got to share this mm-hmm. because sometimes the patron is just like, "Hey, uh, you know, make me whatever you want," and then you make them something with random ingredients, and they're like, "Ugh." It's just like, "Oh, you you, you said I could make you whatever I wanted." It hurt my feelings. <laughs> Does it really impact the story? It actually, uh, it yes. actually does. It does. Okay. Uh, I, I found Steve because I looked into it a little bit more as I was playing it. What were the best outcomes, but also what were alternative outcomes? Because you could miss pieces of the story or get bonus segments of the story, just little bits and pieces of the conversations that wouldn't originally happen. Yeah, I mean, dude, I could not figure out what to serve the space alien. <laughs> yeah. dressed as uh buzz aldrin he has he has his own drink called the milky way it's Galaxy. called the milky way yeah. yeah i figured it out after the fact and i was like but he asks you for a drink 
a few times, and there's one specific time that you have to serve him the Milky Way. Yeah. So it's like that. You sit there, you get these animated characters that come and sit at your bar, then they have their own conversations. And the conversations, it's... It it deals a it goes through a lot of conversations that have to do with rip from the headlines. You know, there's a there's a dad who has a pop star daughter, of course, and she he's too protective. There is uh, the what were there was a succubus and a elf who's like those cultural creatures don't like each other, so their families did weird to me. So the families didn't want them together, and they were both like their, their families were racist. You know, oh yeah, of yeah. course it's a succubi; they're gonna do that. You know, like being kind of racist. I mean, yeah, the werewolf thing kind of is like <laughs> they want to find a way to like sedate all the werewolves. It's like a civil unrest kind of thing. Yeah, there's that. There's there because this is kind of when, when I say this is like a game devs game. That kind of means that they're purposely kind of putting themselves into the game. So there's a whole storyline about one of the char- like the orc game dev going through crunch, where he's like, "Yeah, I have to work long hours, and yeah, of course they- I can go home, quote unquote, but then everyone will look at me weird, and I have to feel guilty about going wanting to go home instead of actually, and you know, spending time with my family. I have to it work." Sounds all like the time. real life. I yeah. can't remember what the title of the game the orc is developing. Uh, but she kind of it makes it sound like Gears of War it's like a Call of Duty yeah like it's something Gears I don't know it made me think Gears of War mm. but yeah, it, it, so they, they they have all these different conversations and you and it's over the course of several days so you keep they keep coming back and having different variations on the conversation to eventually finish out a whole storyline over the course right, of right you're a facilitator yes so it's like you can help the dad come to terms with his daughter going on tour. You can help the um the the couple reconcile their uh you know racist differences families. in their yeah, their racist families and their relationship. You can help the werewolf out with his problem and mainly uh your regular Freya uh you can help her uh get her book published. Or rather, finish her book by serving her espresso. So, if you fail to do one of these, what you just don't get the rest of the story, or they make you feel bad? No, something bad happens to them at the end. Like the couple will break up. Um, in my ending, Freya finished her book, but then it was like a commercial flop. Wow! And I was like, oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, so the, again, there are there are you get an ending no matter what. There are a certain number of calendar days. I think it's like ten days to go through, and going through those ten days, you'll finish the story no matter what. It's more about what happens to your characters at the end. And yeah, so they, there are several different loops to close out. Uh, you know, the space alien, the protective dad, the couple, the werewolf, and a couple other ones. The police officers having some problems, but. It, it's oh yeah yeah the police officer but throughout the whole thing it just has this vibe of very relaxed mellow hip-hop beats comfortable everyone like people even when they're in bad moods are like they'll get into an argument and they go yeah sorry about that we shouldn't have been arguing <laughs> yeah people are, people are pretty Jeez. chill so it's like it's like nice it's just it's nice it's comforting 
it's something to take your mind off of anything that's kind of bothering you and just I'm going to listen to these people talk, enjoy their conversations, and enjoy their wistful hipster life. It's kind of like in movies how there's always like in some rom-coms there's always like this couple but they and they have like a beautiful loft somewhere but like they never go to work. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's an accurate description. That's how you know you've made it. It's like how do you mm-hmm. how do these guys afford this beautiful apartment but you never see them go to work ever? Oh no, guys, I'm an investor. Oh, okay. I don't want to get onto this uh tangent but it's already happening. Do you ever watch House Hunters? No. You should watch uh, some House not Hunters specifically, but I've seen some house hunty shows. No, it's it's just house hunters. But the thing about it, sorry for the fireworks. Apparently, it's the Fourth of July already. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the two people that are getting the house? They usually have these ridiculous professions, and then they just they can somehow afford a million dollar house. Like, yeah. Um, my partner trains dogs to whistle, and uh, I draw professional hand turkeys, uh, and we have a million-dollar budget. I mean, some people drop some coin on those hand turkeys. I don't <laughs> think that they do. No, I but, know what you mean. Yeah. But really, um, sometimes just give the show a, a good uh, watching. There was... I can't remember where I was when I was watching a a tiny home show. Dude, I hate tiny home shows. I just, again, this is on the so tangent. Their homes are so tiny. This is on the tangent, but uh, they had one episode where it was a family, and they they're like, "Okay, we wanted you to design us a tiny home, but we also want to entertain. Plus, we have three dogs and a baby. Plus, my husband makes artisanal butter at home, so you got to make room <laughs> for all that." Sounds to me. So they end up with like a four thousand square foot house. It just at a certain point, I go. I don't know if you want a tiny home, but there's, there's they want a tiny home in shows. principle. Yeah, and then they'll be like, "Oh, I want a tiny home," and then they'll be like, "I didn't want it this tiny, like, bro." Yeah, this is too tiny. Come on. What I actually wanted was an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted it's got everything loft. that you need. So, coffee talk. You know, aside from that tangent, just. It, it puts you in that kind of rom-com vibe where everybody makes somehow a very heavy living wage doing very little but hanging out at this coffee shop till like four in the morning. Yeah, it's like a contemporary friends in the coffee shop setting, you know? I forgot what the coffee shop in that show was. I'm like the only person who didn't watch Friends on the radio. Yeah, I, I also I never did not friends. watch it. Oh, God, yeah. none of us have? No. Nope. Hold on. I think I remember... No, I know what the uh, coffee shop's named, but I don't watch that show. Oh, what's it named? Central Perk. Uh, there you oh, go. Oh, yeah. But in the game, it's called Coffee Talk. What? That's the name of the shop. Is it? Yes. Wow, I missed meta. that detail. That every, sounds... A- after every single day, <laughs> Honestly, it shows the name. store opening. It's raining in Seattle, and they show the front storefront, and it just says Coffee Talk. No, nothing. All right. Yep. Well, that's Coffee Talk. And with that, I think we're going to move on to one last thing. Ooh, all right. One last thing. We have one last statement, one last sentence, sending us into the weekend, and you, the listener, into the weekday. For me, I am spending all my time cataloging my family's comic book collection. Dear God, I thought it was four boxes. It ended up being 12. That's a lot of boxes. Ugh, 250 comics in each. Getty? Oh, I have to go next? I'm so bad at this. Uh, I'd like to thank the Academy, uh, all of those. No, that this is the wrong speech. Um, 
I hopefully don't have to do anything this weekend. Maybe I'll make some progress at Persona. Uh, I am pretty close to finishing Shadow of the Tomb Raider, though. So looking forward to finally putting the nail on that one. God damn it. I was so cl- I tied you in the beat list for two seconds, and then you texted me that you beat Resident Evil 3. Well, Steve was there, so he could have texted beat- you. And now you're going to beat true. Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I've been playing that one for a while, man. I'm also pretty close to beating Persona 5 Royal. I hate you so much. Steve, what's your one last thing? Um, The new Borderlands DLC. That's what I was going to say for my one last thing. Ooh. It's a cool Western, and I wish that the it has a narrator with a southern accent, and it, it seems like they needed to get Matthew McConaughey to do it. <laughs> I'm just imagining McConaughey all the way through. All right. Episode I down. like that guy. McConaughey all the way through. Or imagine yep. McConaughey. Yeah. Alright, and that will be it for this week's Super GG Radio. Before we go, you can find us on Twitter at Super GG Radio and twitch.tv slash Super GG Radio, where uh, I will be doing multiplayer Mondays. Uh, we still got to figure out 2D Tuesdays because Joel's been on vacation, but that's okay. Kevin Hartwig's still going strong in the Wild Redemption, where he is going through and enjoying himself some nature. And Red Dead We're calling Redemption. that going strong on that? No, I thought it was called Wild Redemption. I just him like sporadically tweeting that he's going to be playing for hours at a time depresses me. Why? Because you wish it was Wire. You? Because usually he's doing it right when I have a meeting. <laughs> so he's like, hey guys, about to start some Red Dead. And I'm like, hey, join me on Teams. <laughs> it does Please. seem like Red Dead 2 is more fun than a meeting. Yeah. I don't know. I heard opposite. Really? Well, it just makes it tedious exciting meeting. Yes, exactly. So what else do we do? We do other Twitch stuff, don't we? We do we other like stuff. A- right now is going, uh, g- keeping it together with Sam and Kevin playing yeah. Divinity 2. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Fridays, Metal Gear Kevin. Uh, he is currently on Metal Gear Solid 5. And we have Magic Sundays. Most of the time, yeah. Where Getty and my friend Alec are playing Magic the Gathering. I'm still hoping you guys rope somebody else in. Get well, another player. We did Arena last week, so we didn't have to do all the setup. And uh, I think that that's where Joel should play if he's going to. That way he doesn't have to bust out like physical cards, create a setup. But I think he, he might- actually wanted to do that. Like I think he went out and bought sets. Well, he'll have to figure out a way. You'll have to tune in to Magic Sundays to find out. Will he? Glad we're not calling it Magic Mike Sundays. We don't have anybody named Mike playing, so... (laughs) Let's find someone named Mike. Get him on there. That's a pretty good idea. You should solicit that one, Alex. You all have to be shirtless. You all have to be shirtless. (laughs) I mean, I can be shirtless, but I don't think it's going to get more viewers. Right. And I think really what we want are more viewers not fewer i don't know do we i don't know we'll have to figure out the numbers here i gotta ask mary kish what she thinks nobody knows what they want anymore yeah i definitely don't this has really gotten existential if you'd like to reach us with questions or input our email address is superggradio at gmail.com and provide a review on itunes or the naked torso of your choice thanks for listening gg getty good game alex gg steve GG, guys. Good night, everybody.
Here we go. Nelly's tip drill. No, I'm serious. Don't send me that. <laughs> Steve, do you just want me to tell you what it is to make a clap? Isn't it... Wait, I, I don't want any of this on, Mike. I don't trust. I don't trust you guys. <laughs> then just don't. Just, just don't He's, say anything. I'll tell you what it Steve is. Because he knows I'm editing this week. <laughs> no, maybe I know what it is. I'm sure that you do. Okay. Yeah, I probably do. <laughs> I can do the math. Are <laughs> right, you ready? She's not yeah. using her hands, Steve. Yeah, I I gathered. Chicks are okay. clapping. May using hands. Yep. Okay. Yep. I do that all the time. <laughs> I'm definitely putting that after credits. All right. <laughs> yeah. No. 